simplicity of it. Amen. Before we get going into the word of God tonight, as always, I need to pray one more time for his anointing to be on me, his anointing to be on you. We're going to continue in our series or going to continue in our journey to the cross. Tonight, we're going to look at the divine exchange part two, uh, his stripes for our healing. So let's pray first. Father God, again, we just are here to praise you. We're here to give you thanks for all of the things that you've bestowed upon our lives. God, we're not worthy of any of it. But you demonstrated your love towards us. And while we're still sinners, you died for us, God. And we give you the praise for that. We love you because you first loved us. So, God, we just uh, ask for your Holy Spirit to remain in this place tonight, God. To rise up, Lord God, within us. To fill our hearts. To fill our minds, God. To fill us with faith. To fill us with peace. To fill us with healing, God. To just fill us with your presence, God. Because we can't receive what you have for us without your anointing and without your help. I can't bring forth your word this evening, God, without your anointing and without your help. So we confess our need for you this evening. And pray, God, that in the midst of our need, that you would rise up and be strong. And that you would manifest your power in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Like I said, we're continuing on our journey to the cross. How many of you have enjoyed our journey so far? Amen. I don't know how many other weeks we're going to take, but we'll just continue as the Lord leads. Last week, we looked at the first of the nine divine exchanges that took place upon the cross. And for those of you that uh, grabbed a handout, I made those available for you so that you can know them, study them, even Check on them and learn a bit, a little bit more on yourself. If you didn't get one, when you leave, you can grab one. It's right on the, the little song rack before you go that you can have a list of those. But last week we looked at the first of the, the nine divine exchanges that took place upon the cross, which was his punishment for our forgiveness. The first of the nine divine exchanges was his punishment for our peace with God. How many of you are glad we can have peace with God? Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I can stand blameless before God with great joy because of the work of Jesus Christ. Not because of my work, but because of the work of Jesus on the cross. Remember, church, this exchange, the first one, uh, remember that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement uh, of our peace was upon his shoulders, and by his stripes, the Bible says, we are healed. Last week, we learned through the, the, the Hebrew word of on that iniquity and its punishment cannot be separated. We learned that the Hebrew word avon means iniquity, and it also means the punishment of that iniquity. So the reality is sin and its punishment cannot be separated. Amen? The reality is the word avon means both iniquity and the punishment attached to it. So my closing point last week was that since sin and its punishment cannot be separated, since iniquity and its punishment can't be separated, since we reap what we sow, amen? I mean, you know we know, you know we reap what we sow. Since our sin will always find us out, 
Since sin will always catch up with us along with its consequences, how many of you experienced that somewhere in your life? You know, we live a certain amount of our life thinking we can sin without its consequences, but somewhere along the way, the consequences of our sin catches up with us. So my closing point last week is since what we do in darkness one day is going to be shouted from the rooftops, since the wages of our sin is death, and since we cannot separate the two of those things, the only way that you and I could avoid the punishment and the chastisement and the judgment of that sin, church, was for someone to take our place. Someone had to be chastised. Someone had to pay the price for our sin. Someone had to bear the pain. Someone had to bear the shame. Someone had to be punished so that you and I could have peace with God. And that someone was Jesus Christ and that somewhere was on the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus traded places with you and me, and he took our punishment upon his shoulders. That was the first of the divine exchanges that we looked at. I don't know about you, church, but I'm glad that we now can have peace with God because Jesus took our place. Amen? Because Jesus paid the price. The truth is, 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked into the slave market of sin, and he bought us with his blood. The reality is, 2,000 years ago, Jesus walked into a slave market, and he bought us back from sin, bought us from the world, paid the price to bring us in out of darkness into his glorious light. You see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus suffered the consequences of our sin. He suffered the judgment of our sin. He suffered the wrath of God upon our sin. He suffered the pain and the the agony and the shame and the guilt. He bore our sin, his blood instead of ours, his judgment instead of ours, his pain instead of ours, his punishment, like I said, instead of ours, his life instead of our life. Jesus made a trade on the cross. He gave his life so that you and I might have life and life more abundantly. Greater love had no man than this, than he lay down his life for a friend. And it's exactly what Jesus did upon the cross. Jesus paid the price. That's exactly why the Word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 that we are not our own. We have been bought with a price, the Bible says, and now we are to glorify God in our bodies. We're to glorify God in our lives. We're to glorify God in our words. We're to glorify God in our dress. We're to glorify God in our thoughts. We're to glorify God in the way we carry ourselves. We're to glorify God in our relationships and in our marriage and our business. He paid a price for us. It cost him his own son. It cost Jesus his blood. Therefore, that's why the Bible says we're not our own church. Because listen, if you call yourself a son of God, or a child of God, if you call yourself part of the family of God, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price, and that price was the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, the reality is, if you want to live the life you way you want to live it, you can't claim to be a Christian. If you want to walk in your own ways and do what's right in your own eyes instead of the eyes of God, you and I cannot claim to be a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You and I have to begin to live like we've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. You and I need to learn to live and act and conduct ourselves in a way that reflects the work of Jesus Christ upon an old rugged cross. That's exactly why the Bible says we're not our own. The Bible tells us that through this divine exchange that we're learning about, that we have been redeemed. 
The word redemption means to buy back. It means to ransom or to pay the price for. And it's exactly what Jesus did upon the cross. He paid the price for our sins. He paid the price, church, for, our, for us to have life and have life more abundantly. He paid a price so that you and I could have peace with God. We're not our own. Through the blood or through the price of the blood of Jesus, through this divine exchange that took place upon the cross, you and I have been bought back from Satan and bought from this world and bought from sin and bought from the shame and all of those things so that we can have a relationship with God. And now, because of that, we can have peace with God. That's the first exchange, church, that we learned about. That's the first and foremost exchange that took place upon the old rugged cross. It's why Romans 8.1 says that there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore, because of the work of the cross, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the sacrifice Jesus made, you see, every time you hear the word therefore, you've got to look back before that to see what that word is there for. Therefore, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of this divine exchange that took place on an old rugged cross, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We now can have peace with God. The next exchange that took place on the cross is the one that we're going to look at this evening. But it's part of the same prophecy that we looked at last week in Isaiah chapter 53, where 2,700 years ago, Isaiah showed us a shadow of the cross. 2,700 years ago, Isaiah outlined this divine exchange. 2,700 years ago, before the cross was carved out by the hands of Roman soldiers, Isaiah introduces us to this divine exchange where Jesus steps in and takes our place. Amen. Understand again, all of this was part of God's divine design for our life. It was not an afterthought. God planned this divine exchange from the very foundation of the earth and he shows it to us in Isaiah chapter 53. Christ's punishment for our forgiveness and his stripes for our healing. So not only was Jesus wounded for our transgressions, not only was he bruised for our iniquities, not only was he punished so that we might have peace with God, church, the word of God also tells us that by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, 4 says this, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried away our sorrows. And what we have to understand about this word surely that God uses in this passage of Scripture, and any time he uses this word surely throughout Scripture, it, what you and I need to understand is that every time you read this word in Scripture, it is used to qualify the entire passage. Anytime you read the word surely, it's put there in order to qualify what's about to be said. It's there in order to qualify what you're about to hear and what you're about to read. God puts that word there in order to take away any doubt and to take away any questions. He puts that word surely there so that you and I might be convinced as to what you're about to read. Convinced that it is all part of God's plan and purpose. So he says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried away our sorrows. God uses this word surely to eliminate any doubt and question from the equation. 
He uses this word surely to establish a surety and a certainty of the words that he's about to speak, not just to the disciples then, not just to the listeners then, but to everyone who would read the word of God after that, including you and I today. The word surely in Scripture actually means certainly. It means beyond all question, and it means excluding all doubt. So I want you to understand what God is actually saying here. What God is saying in Isaiah 53 is surely and certainly, beyond all question and beyond all doubt, Jesus bore our griefs and carried away our sorrows. Surely he was wounded for our transgressions. Surely... The Bible says he was bruised for our iniquities. Surely and certainly the chastisement of our peace was placed upon his shoulders. And certainly, beyond all doubt, beyond all question, by his stripes we are healed. You see, I want you to understand, church, the world might tell you something else. uh, And there might be other individuals that tell you something else. But I want you to understand that God himself said, surely... Certainly, beyond all shadow of doubt and beyond any question that might culminate or or try to be cultivated within your soul, surely by the stripes that my son bore upon his back, you and I can be healed. By his stripes, we are healed, the Bible said. Surely and certainly. Remember, surely qualifies the entire passage from start to finish. It's why God used this word to eliminate any doubt that healing is part of the atonement. You see, the reality is there's a lot of us that wonder if healing is part of God's will. The reality is the house of God is filled with those who call themselves sons and daughters and wonder if the Father really wants them to be made hell. Wonders if He wants them to be healed. And He lets us know in Scripture that surely it's part of my plan. Surely it's part of my will. Surely it is part of the divine exchange that took place upon the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, when doubt comes your way as to whether it is God's will or not, I want you to clearly understand it's not God speaking to you. I want you to understand that it's the devil speaking to you and that it's the father of lies speaking you, trying to convince you that it's not part of God's will for you and I to be healed. But it is, church, and I'm going to show you as we go along in Scripture. If you study the Scripture, you'll also find that the Hebrew, that in the Hebrew the phrase, He has borne our griefs, Literally means he has borne our sicknesses. The phrase in Hebrew, uh, he, and he carried away our sorrows, literally means he carried away our pains, church. You see, a lot of times, in the, especially in the King James, in the translation, we like to spiritualize a lot of things. But the reality is, in the original text, this was a physical statement about a physical condition that you, we might find ourselves in. And the physical whipping and the physical bruises that Jesus took upon his back so that you and I might be healed. He carried away our pains and he bore our sicknesses, the Bible says. Just like Jesus, listen. The truth is, Jesus was wounded physically so that we might be healed physically. By his stripes, we are healed. And just like Jesus bore our sins and took the punishment of our sins that we deserved upon his shoulders, the truth is, and the reality is, he took our sicknesses upon himself as well so that you and I might be healed. It's part of the same atonement. It's part of the same work. It's part of the same divine exchange. 
If you believe Jesus died on the cross to save you of your sins, if you believe there's power in the blood to wash away your sins, it's the same blood and the same power that, that, that has provided healing for you and me. It is part of the atonement. I don't care what anybody else might tell you. It is something that has been made available to you and me. Whether we understand this or not, church, healing is, like I said, part of the atonement. Surely healing was included upon the cross. Beyond all question, the cost of our healing was paid for by Jesus Christ upon the cross. Unfortunately, in so many areas of our lives, we aren't living beyond doubt. In so many areas of our, of our lives, and so many times in our life, church, including my life, we're not living beyond question. So often in our Christian life, we find ourselves living in a place of doubt and living in a, in a, in a place of questioning the, the power of God in our life. Because we've got our eyes on the world, because we've got our eyes on the, the mountain, because we've got our eyes on the sickness, because we've got our eyes on the giants, because we've got our eyes on the trouble and the trial and the tribulation, instead of having our eyes on the the promise of God. You see, the reality is this is a promise that you and I can claim. I'm not saying, listen, when I teach you this series, I'm not saying that when you're sick, you go around saying, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. I'm not saying that. What I'm telling you to claim is the power of the blood of Jesus Christ over the sickness that is residing in your body. That's what I'm telling you. It does you no good to walk around and say, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I don't have this, I don't have that. You have to acknowledge, just like you got, listen, just like you got to acknowledge your sin before you're saved, you got to acknowledge your sickness before you're healed. Just, you understand what I'm saying? If it's part of the same atonement, you and I can't walk around saying, I'm not a sinner, I'm not a sinner, I'm not a sinner. You got to say, God, I'm a sinner and I need your grace. God, I'm sick and I need your healing. God, I got a disease and I need the power of the cross applied to my life. It's the same truth because it's the same covenant and it's the same work and it's the same blood and it's the same cross and it's the same Jesus. This is what you and I can't forget, church. Unfortunately, when it comes to healing, especially we live in this place of doubt and disbelief that it is finished, that it is done, that it's been provided for through the work of Jesus Christ. I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm not here to look down on anybody. I'm not here to judge anybody. But so often, church, we find ourselves coming to the altar asking for, for our doctors to, uh, to find out what's wrong with us. So often we ask for, for God to touch the doctor and touch the surgeon and ask God to help the medicine work and ask God to be with the nurses and ask God to be with all of those individuals that have a, a degree, some medical skills in their life. So often we, we shortchange the power of God and we ask for less than what God has available for us. I'm not saying never go to the doctor. I'm not saying don't take medicine. I'm not saying don't trust in a, in a, in a nurse or, 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 or any of those things. If that's what you want to do and that's what you feel you need to do, do it. But I'm telling you that there's something bigger and better and greater. I'm telling you that there is a God that healeth thee. I'm telling you that there is a great physician. I'm telling you that beyond any prescription, there is a balm in Gilead that can touch you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And it's been applied 
It's been provided for through the cross of Jesus Christ. This is what you and I need to understand, church. We should never settle for less than what God has made available to us. Please understand, divine, supernatural healing comes from God and God alone. It doesn't come from the work of man. It doesn't come from a bottle of pills. It doesn't come from a nurse. It doesn't come from a pharmacy. Divine, supernatural healing comes from the veins of Emmanuel that was shed on an old rugged cross on Golgotha's hill 2,000 years ago. That's where divine healing comes from. It comes from that fountain that never runs dry. It comes from the veins of the Son of God. That's where our healing flows from. And that's where we have to put our trust. So often we put our trust in all the wrong things, church. Listen, the reality is, listen, when you and I go, listen, I I got some prescriptions in my medicine cabinet. I pray that God would take me to a higher place. But I'm telling you, on the prescription bottle it says, take three times daily for ten days. And I'm wondering, church, how often we go to God three times a day for ten days, quoting the Word of God and getting down on our knees and crying out for the blood of Jesus to make us whole. We'll pop the pills regularly. We buy them little things. It says Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we don't miss one single pill, one single day. But what about running to Jehovah Rapha? What about running to the, to the great physician? What about opening up a bottle of the balm of Gilead? And having it applied to our lives. We whimper one simple little prayer. And think it's all done. It's done on God's side, but it's not done on ours. Sometimes we gotta press through. Sometimes we gotta cry out. Sometimes we gotta take it three times a day for ten days. Sometimes it's even longer than that. But the whole fact is, where are we putting our hope? Where are we putting our trust? Are we putting it in the cross? Are we putting it in Jesus? Are we putting it in this divine exchange that was made available to us through Jesus Christ? One of the things that's hard for us to grasp about healing is the fact that even our healing is finished, church. By His stripes we are healed, the Word of God says, not will be healed. It says, by His stripes we are healed. We are healed through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because, listen, I've got to take you back a message or two. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. What was finished? Everything, everything was finished. Remember, Jesus sat down because his job was done. Jesus don't have to do one more thing for your healing. I want you to understand that that, that it, it was finished. That's why he sat down. There's nothing more Jesus has to do in order to make healing available to you or make healing available to me. It's been done. By the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And this is the place of faith that you and I need to learn to live. That it's been done. Even our healing church. Just because you're... Understand, again, I'm going back to that. Just because it says, by His stripes we are healed, you don't say, I'm not sick. You say, I thank you, God, that my healing has already been provided for. Thank you, Jesus, that the work's already been done. Thank you, Father God, that even though my body's weak, even though my body's in pain, surely you bore my sickness. 
Surely you carried away my pains. You, you did it on the cross, God. And I know you're going to carry them away again. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? God wants to bring us to a higher place with Him. A greater place of faith. You see, what you and I have to understand is that we are healed through the power of Jesus Christ. That the work has already been finished. Now, we just have to learn how to appropriate it in our lives. Now we have to learn how to acquire it. We need to learn how to implement it. We, we, we must learn how to trust in it. And we have to learn how to have it manifested in our lives, church. And what are the main keys to having the, the power of God and the promises of God manifested in our lives is this thing called faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is what? It is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You see, the reality is you can be in the middle of sickness and not see the end of it. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. You see, if you're like me in the middle of my sickness or in the middle of someone that I love sickness, I'm hoping for a healing. And I want you to understand that faith is what manifests that healing in our life. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. The, the, the number one key to having healing released in our lives is this thing called faith. Remember the Word of God says, By grace we are saved through faith. By, faith we, or by, by grace we are saved through faith. It, it is just like we need faith to receive salvation, just like we need faith to receive forgiveness, just like we need faith to trust in the, in the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ, we need faith to receive healing in our lives as well. I believe with all of my heart that healing is as central to God's plan and will for our lives as salvation is. Just like He is not willing that any should perish become the everlasting life, just like He wants every soul to be saved. I believe with all of my heart that, it, that, that healing is as central to the child of God's life as salvation is. We just need to learn how to appropriate it properly in our lives. Remember, 2,700 years ago, God reveals the power of the cross in this divine exchange in Isaiah 53, when it says, Surely He bore our griefs, carried His sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement, I've said it, of, of, of our peace was upon His shoulders, and by His stripes we are healed. The fact is, healing is part of the atonement, church. It is at the center of the atonement. I know I don't have a lot of time, and I don't want to lose you here, and I don't, want to, I, 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 I don't want to be too confusing. But if you know anything about the book of Isaiah, I, need to, I just want to share this with you to give you an understanding of how central healing is to the atonement. How central healing is to the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. If you look at the book of Isaiah, it's 66 chapters. It is, it is a reflection. It is said that Isaiah is a reflection of the entire Word of God. Isaiah is 66 chapters. If you look at the Word of God, it's 66 chapters. Every scholar will tell you that Isaiah is broken up into two main sections. Chapters 1 through 39 and 40 to, and 40 to 66. In the same way, the, new, the, the entire gospel is broken up into two main sections. The Old Testament which is 39 chapters, and the New Testament, which is 27 chapters. It's not coincidental. The last 27 chapters of Isaiah is called the Old Testament Gospel because of 
how it points to Jesus, because of how it points to salvation, because of how it points to the precious Lamb of God, because of how it points to this divine exchange that takes place upon the cross of Jesus Christ. Not to lose you any further, but if you take those 27 chapters, they are divided as well by every Bible scholar and every Bible teacher into three sets of nine chapters. And the middle section of those chapters is 49 to 57. Guess what chapter falls right in the middle of that? Chapter 53, which is the chapter that we're reading tonight. In the middle of that chapter, you find these words, by his stripes We are healed in the middle of the middle of the middle. You find this promise and this exchange in the words that by his stripes, we are healed. I want you to understand that healing is part of the atonement. I want you to clearly understand that healing was made available to us from the foundation of the earth. This divine exchange was prophesied 2,700 years ago uh, before the cross was ever formed, before Jesus ever came on the scene. And it is something that you and I need to apply to our Christian faith every single day. You and I need to understand that healing is at the center of God's covenant with his people. Healing is part of the price that Jesus paid upon the cross. Healing is provided for through the covenant and the cross of Jesus Christ. I hope that you realize, church, that salvation and healing are secured by the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm not here Tonight, my my point and my goal is not to discuss why some people don't get healed or why some people struggle with sickness and why some are overcome by sickness and why some have to go to the hospital and why some even pass away from sickness like my mother did 23 years ago when she died of cancer and she was the most uh, godly woman that I know. I'm not here tonight to talk to you about all the reasons why these things happen in our Christian faith. But the truth is, Scripture is filled with reasons why God's people aren't healed. From sin to the sovereignty of God and probably a hundred other reasons in between. But I'm saying all that. I don't have time to cover all that. That's for a whole other series and that's for a whole other set of lessons. My point tonight And my goal tonight is to simply teach us and reveal to us that divine healing is part of the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Now what we have to do is learn how to implement it. Now we have to learn how to claim it and receive it and have it manifested in our life, church, to come against all of these things that would stand in the way of our healing. The reality is sometimes God takes us into a a valley of sickness. So that we might understand his suffering and we might understand the pain that he bore upon the cross. So that we might come into a more intimate relationship with God. I I, I don't have time to teach you all that tonight. I want to simply teach you that when you're sick, you have the ability to go before the throne room of grace and trust in a healing that has been provided for by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's my goal this evening. That's what I want you to understand. I don't care what the devil tells you or the doctor tells you or anyone else tells you. You can lean on the promise of God and the work of Jesus Christ. How many of you are recipient of that power? How many of you have already been healed miraculously or divinely by the work of God in your life? You see, you all know that, church. Matthew eight sixteen to 17, we discover another key to appropriating the power Of this exchange in our lives when it says Jesus healed all who were sick in order to fill that which was spoken of by the Isaiah, the prophet, where we just read when he said Jesus himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. 
The truth is Jesus himself bore our guilt. Jesus himself, all by himself, all alone, bore our shame and bore our punishment. He didn't ask anybody else to join in with him. He didn't ask anybody else to bear the, uh, pay the price. He bore it all himself is what the Bible is trying to teach us today. He himself took our punishment, took our judgment, took our chastisement, took our ridicule. And he himself, the Bible says, bore our sicknesses as well. It's all part of the divine exchange that took place upon the cross, church. And he did it all by himself. You see, the, the, here's what I want you to think about for just a minute. If you and I walked around all day questioning God's ability to save us, if you and I walked around all day questioning the power of God's blood to wash away our sins, if you and I walked around all day questioning the power of the cross concerning our forgiveness and, 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 and the blood's ability to make us spotless for God, before God, we wouldn't be anywhere in our faith. Amen? If you walked around all day doubting the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross, you would be overtaken by guilt and shame. You'd be overtaken by condemnation. And you would be nowhere in your faith. You'd have no testimony. You'd have no song. You'd have no dance. You wouldn't have the power of God in your life. You, you, you wouldn't be able to stand firm in your faith. Listen, the reality is, the individual that walks around all day in condemnation, and walks around all day in guilt, and walks around all day uh, feeling like they've got to uh, be a martyr for the sins that they committed, instead of trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ, they don't understand the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. The work was finished. My point in saying all of that is the same way. If you and I walk around all day in the midst of our sickness and in the midst of our, 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 our infirmities, wondering about the power of the cross, wondering about the power of the blood, wondering if God is a liar, wondering if His promises are yes and amen to those who believe, we'll never be healed. We will never be healed of our infirmities if we question and doubt and constantly wonder if healing has been provided for on the cross of Jesus Christ. I want you to remember, surely, surely He bore our griefs. Surely and certainly He carried away our pains. And surely and certainly beyond all doubt and question, by His stripes we are healed. Church, this is something that we have to learn if we want to go into a place where we can experience the goodness of God. We cannot go around questioning God. So listen, the question we should never ask is, is it God's will for me to be healed? We should not go around. The question we ask should not be, is it God's, is it God's will for me to be healed? Is it God's will for my brother to be healed? Is it God's will for my son or daughter to be healed? Is it God's will for my husband or wife to be healed? Is it God's will for my best friend to be healed? Because we've already learned that surely by his stripes we are healed. Surely it is part of the atonement. Surely it is part of the work of Christ. The question should never be, is it God's will for me to be healed? The question should always be, how can I receive the healing that God has already provided? How can I appropriate the power of the blood of Jesus Christ in my life? How can I appropriate that promise that was provided for on the cross? How can I apply the power of the cross in my life? How can I walk in the power of the promise? How can I receive the, the, the healing that God has made available to me, both spiritually and physically? 
You see, God cares about your spiritual well-being, and he cares just as much about your physical well-being. So concerning your prayer life, it should not be. The question is, God, it shouldn't be. Is it part of God's will? Yes, it is, church. I, I, I just want you to know that, yes, it is. The question should then be, God, how do I appropriate that? It should be a question of, of how do I get to that place spiritually, God? How can I experience in my life? What are you trying to teach me in the middle of what I'm going through, God? These are the questions that we should ask. Never pose a question that contradicts the great work of the cross. Never pose a question and begin to wonder about the uh, uh, wonder if the, the blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough when we pose those questions. The power of those, uh, the promise cannot be released into our life, church. My point is that when we as believers struggle with sin, struggle with sickness, struggle with depression, struggle with fear, struggle with anxiety, struggle with rejection, struggle with obstacles, struggle with storms, struggle with giants, struggle with mountains. When we struggle with all of these things in our life, the first thing that you and I need to learn to do is to walk by faith and not by sight. And the second thing we need to learn to do is set our eyes to Jesus. The, 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 the two most important things that we have to learn to do in the middle of our sickness or any other storm that's coming into our life is to walk by faith and not sight and to set our eyes to Jesus. That's what you and I have to learn to do is to look to Him who, who Himself bore our sickness. The emphasis in the phrase, he himself is on Jesus and not us, church. We can't look to ourselves for healing. We can't look to ourselves for hope. We can't look to ourselves for joy or peace. We can't provide it. It has been provided for on the cross of Jesus Christ, and that's where we have to look. The first place you should look when you find yourself in a place of sickness is to the cross of Jesus Christ. Before, listen, before I go to doctors, I have medicine. But I'm telling you, before you go to the medicine cabinet, you should look to Jesus. Before you go to the doctor, you should look to the cross. Before you look to any other man-made uh, a way of making yourself better, you should look to Jesus, church. And so should I. You and I need to look to Jesus. We need to look to the cross. We need to look to the work that was done so that you and I can learn to receive everything that God has made available to us. Amen? I said, why do you think David said... I will set mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help, because my help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Here's what I want you to understand, church. We have to learn to look away from everything that has the power to drown us and look to the one who has the power to save us. You understand what I'm saying? Peter had to learn that when he was walking on the water. When he got his eyes off of Jesus and he began to look at the winds and the waves, when he began to look at those very things that had the power to drown him, they began to drown him. But as long as he had his eyes fixed on Jesus, who was the author and the finisher of his faith, who was the creator of the universe, as long as he had his eyes fixed on Jesus, guess what was going on in his life? Something supernatural. He was able to walk above the wind and walk above the waves. He was able to walk, able to walk above the things that had the power to drown him. 
Because he had his eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of his faith. If you want to walk above sickness, get your eyes on Jesus. If you want to walk above depression, get your eyes on Jesus. If you want to walk above an addiction, get your eyes on Jesus. If you want to walk above fear, get your eyes on Jesus. If you want to live above doubt and despair and and sadness and sorrow and woe is me, listen. Get your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of your faith faith. He finished your healing. He finished your hope. He finished your joy. He finished your peace. He finished your courage. He finished it, church. And listen, we got to start acting that way and living like that way. I said it before, when you and I walk in fear and woe is me and doubt and depression and all those other things, you know what we're saying, God? Your work's not good enough. You still must have something else to do. You see, we put the blame on God. This, listen, these aren't in my notes, and how I close, we'll see. But when the, children, when, when the disciples were going across the sea, and they encountered that wicked storm that had the power to drown them, what was the first thing that they did? They ran to Jesus and said, don't you care? Don't you care that we're drowning? Listen, we do the same exact thing, not realizing that it's already been done. Not realizing that it's already finished. And we always, we run to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? And Jesus, you know what he said to them? Oh, ye of little faith. You've got the same right and the same power to stand up against these winds and waves and say, peace, be still. You've got the same authority and you've got the same power to rise up against these things that have the power to drown you and destroy you and say, peace, be still in the name of Jesus. You have the power to rise up against sickness and say, in the name of Jesus, be gone, not because of my word, but because of the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Does that mean it's going to disappear right away? No. Does that mean sometimes it will? Sometimes it won't. Some time God takes us through a journey and sometimes, listen, we've got to learn something different in the whole process. I'm just telling you that we must learn how to rise to a level where we can experience the full power and promise of God in our lives. We do that through faith and we do that by keeping our eyes fixed on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. This may be difficult for some of us to grasp, but like I said, church, the truth is divine healing, divine healing doesn't come in a bottle of pills. Can pills make you better? Yes, they can. But that's not divine healing. I want you, can a doctor help you get better? Yes. But that's not divine healing. Can a surgeon make you better? Absolutely. Guess who gave them the skills to do what they're doing? God did. All knowledge, all wisdom, all skills, it all comes from God. But that's not divine healing. Divine healing is done by the hand of God all by himself. The work of God. Listen, Jesus didn't need any help dying on the cross. Jesus didn't need any help bearing your sin and bearing my sin. He didn't need any help bearing the punishment for our sin. And he doesn't need any help healing you or me either. You understand what I'm saying? When it comes to divine, supernatural healing, God doesn't need any help. Why doesn't he need any help? Because I've already told you, he's the great physician. Why doesn't he need any help? Because he's Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth thee. Why doesn't he need any help? Because he's got healing in his wings. Why doesn't he need any help? Because he is the healing balm of Gilead. Why doesn't he need any help? Because he is the oil and the wine that is poured out upon our spiritual and physical wounds. Why doesn't he need any help? Because by his stripes we're healed. This is where you and I need to learn to live, church. 
We need to learn to live in the center of His atonement. We need to learn to live in the center of His provisions. You see, we, it doesn't do us any good to live on the outskirts. We need to learn to live in the center of what is made available to you and me. We need to learn to live and move and breathe in the very center of His covenant with His people. The sad reality is most of us live on the outside looking in, wondering if healing is for me, wondering if salvation is for me, wondering if those blessings are for me, wondering if that joy is for me, wondering if that peace is for me, wondering if restoration is for me. We live on the outskirts of of Christianity instead of right in the middle of the work of Jesus Christ. It's where you and I need to live. It's where you and I need to move and breathe, church. And I'm going to start bringing this to a close. I'm telling you, 1 Peter 2.24 is the last example that I want to give you. 1 Peter 2.24, it's another New Testament passage that quotes Isaiah 53. And it says, He who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live in righteousness, and by whose stripes you were healed. Again, It's not will be. It's again. Every time you read this, listen. The mouthpiece for God, whether it's Isaiah, whether it's Peter, whether it's Matthew, whether it's anyone, any place else that you read it. They understood the work of Jesus Christ. They understood the power of the atonement. They understood the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's why they were able to say, by his stripes, you were healed. When the disciples taught their followers, when they were making other disciples, he was teaching them by his stripes, by the work that he did on the cross, you were healed. And you, disciple, need to learn to live in that faith. You need to learn to live in that place. How many of you want to live in that place tonight? How many of you want to live in that place where you can have the fullness of what God has made? If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet because here's how we're going to close tonight, church. I want you to understand that by His stripes we are healed, church. It's been provided for. It's been finished. If you're here tonight and you, you've got an illness, you've got a sickness, got a disease, you've got an infirmity, and you want healing, if you've got a sickness in your body and you want healing, I want you to raise your hand. Say, God, I've got a need in my body, my physical body, and I need healing. You see, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward tonight, but we're going to pray. But we have to have faith and we have to look to Jesus. We have to look away from the things that have the power to drown us to the one who has the power to save us. If you're here tonight and you say, well, you know, God, I don't have a physical. Some of us might be here tonight and say, God, I don't have a physical need. I don't have an ailment or or I don't have a, a disease in my body. But I'm not quite sure how to appropriate the power of healing in my life. I'm not sure if I understand all this stuff about divine healing yet. You need to ask God as well to manifest his design and manifest the power of this healing in our lives. Every one of us need to learn this, church. Whether we're sick in body or whether we're not, we need to learn that healing was provided for upon the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that healing has been provided for on the cross of your son jesus christ i thank you father god that just like you are not willing that any should perish but have everlasting life i believe with all of my heart that it's not part of your plan or your design for your children to be sick 
The Bible says that Jesus healed them of all their diseases. The Bible teaches us that surely he bore our sicknesses. Surely he bore our pains. Surely healing was made available to us because the Bible says certainly and beyond all doubt by his stripes we are healed. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of your son's blood would make its way into the lives of your people. God, we turn our eyes to you. We turn our hope to you. We turn our faith to you, Father God. And I pray that you would bring healing into the bodies of your people. God, I pray that you would come against every form of sickness, that you would come against every form of disease and every form of infirmity that has tried to make its way into the lives of your people. And God, we plead the blood of Jesus Christ, God, over every sickness, over every infirmity, over every disease, Father God. We pray that the healing balm of Gilead that was provided for at the cross of Jesus Christ would be applied to every individual in your house tonight. God, I thank you that nothing is too difficult for you. I thank you that you withhold no good thing from those who ask. I thank you, Father God, that if you gave us your Son, how will you not more along with him give us everything that we need? And some of us need healing tonight, God. I pray, God, that you would break through the doubt, that you would break through the worry, that you would break through the questions, that you would break through the the disbelief, Father God, and that you would just touch our minds and touch our hearts and bring us into that place where we can truly believe that by your stripes we are healed, God. I thank you that there's power in the blood. And my prayer is, God, that as these people leave today, that they would keep their eyes fixed on you, the author and the finisher of their faith. God, that they wouldn't have their eyes on the sickness and they wouldn't have their eyes on the circumstance, but that they would keep their eyes fixed on you, the author and the finisher of their faith, whom, whom for the hope set before him endured the cross and endured the shame, Father God. And I pray in the same way, God, that you would teach us to endure everything that we go through. Teach us to endure the sickness. Teach us to endure the the trials and the tribulations. Teach us to endure the lessons and the, the things that you bring us through, Father God. And in the midst of it, I pray, God, I pray with all of my heart tonight that you would teach us to be people of faith. God, that you would help us to walk by faith and not by sight, God. That you would help us to take authority over sickness, sin. That you would help us to take authority over every unclean spirit and all those things that would come against us. And claim, Father God, with all of our heart, those things that have been made available to us through the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I give you the praise tonight. I give you the glory tonight. We claim everything that has been made available to us and help us to walk in such a way, God, that we can receive all of those truths and all of those blessings and all of those promises in our lives. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your work. And we thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Can we bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen. Amen. If you have a special need, you want to tarry and have hands laid on you over a sickness or any other need you have, be happy to tarry with you along with some others. Otherwise, be blessed and keep your eyes fixed on him as you go. Amen.